going to mix it up a little bit today. We've got a great panel that are here, these good-looking people before you. And uh, we're going to mix it up, get some of their advice and wisdom, also answer some of the questions that have come in during the week uh, from people about financial matters. So just to introduce, uh, first up we have Kat Latham. Um, firstly, Kat is uh, well, an exceptional person in her own right. Um, but Kat is a presenter of Cap Money. And uh, Cap Money, if you've been around a bit, you'll know is the financial course, management course that we're incorporating into the church here and does a fantastic job. One is starting tonight and Kat is going to talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, so that's the first thing that Kat brings. Secondly, Kat uh, is going to be a little bit vulnerable here this morning and just share some of the story of uh, her and Richard, the whole Latham family story out of uh, debt and where they're at currently in their journey from a difficult situation to a good situation. So I just, you know, we always appreciate people being up here willing to be real about their, their life and we thank you for that, uh, Kat. Now, Greg over there, um, Greg is just an all-round good guy, um, basically. Um, I, I don't get the chance often to give, just pay tribute to some of the great staff that we have, but in case you are unaware, Greg is the operations manager here at our church and uh, pretty much, I was thinking about this, pretty much anything good that happens at Cattle's Church, if you dig, sometimes not even that far, but if you dig a few layers, you'll find Greg behind it. And I really just want to pay tribute to him for that. He does an, an enormous amount uh, for what goes on here at the church. All good things, look, little things right through to like painting this auditorium, one very visual thing. Welcome packs that have come out over the last few weeks. Greg is very involved in behind the scenes behind that one. Uh, the land redevelopment, Greg is pouring his life into uh, making sure that runs smoothly and, and runs well. And so many things. And a good thing about uh, being able to pay tribute to Greg in this way is that Greg is behind all the good things that happen, but also if anything goes wrong, Greg's behind that as well. So uh, you also know who to thank and who to blame all at the at the same at the same point and your mic's off so they didn't hear that comment which is good um yeah look on top of this uh you know these guys are just fantastic and they have a whole lot to offer us uh, no doubt about it so can we just thank greg and um cat for sharing and being honest with us uh, today all right i'm gonna go straight into it greg putting oh i didn't mention the other part greg also is very interested in money and um he has actually uh, trained or been trained up as a trainer in two lots of uh, courses. There's Crown Financial Course and Cap Money. So he comes to us today and brings sort of a wealth of experience and understanding what the scripture says about finances. And that's why I'm going to direct the first question to you, Greg. Why does this matter so much? Why is God so interested in our finances? Well, Jesus says so much about money because it's the primary competitor in our lives for the, Lord, for, for the Lordship of of our lives. It's, it's either God or, or money in, in a lot of sense. In, in Matthew 6 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold on to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, how, how we handle our money impacts our relationship with Jesus. Uh, another verse in Luke 16, it says, If therefore you've not been faithful in the use of worldly wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And in this verse, Jesus is equating how we handle our handle of that money with the qu 
it's in a sense it's another spiritual discipline and, and a way that God can test how how we are going to be faithful in that area and and overflow in many areas to to impact how we can actually interact and, and have a relationship with him. Yeah, and when we were chatting about this during the week, it really stood out to me, this question of of what this matters so much. The way we handle our money in, impacts our walk with Christ. And I don't think we can be very quick to just go over that, but there's a lot of good scripture that really talks about that. Uh, I like your point just then. It's almost like a spiritual discipline that brings us closer to Christ. But have you got anything more to say on that, Greg? Why does it matter so much, do you think? I think that the foundation for so many relationships is trust. And even like in, in the parable of the talents, Matthew 25, Jesus tests us. And, and, and through that story, it, it, the, the way we use our money is a tester for that relationship. So it's, it's, it's a, to ensure that you've got a fat trust foundation in that relationship. When I think of Matthew, I think it's six, um, you know, where your money is, there will your heart be also. And it's very interesting that it doesn't go, in, in this one instance, it's actually not the reverse order. It's not where your heart is, your money will be. It's where your money is. It's like your money can lead your heart in this regard. It's, it's the thing that's going to be com- competing for your attention yeah. and for the things that will drive your decision making yeah. in so many areas. Yeah. So get this discipline right. Now, Kat for you guys has been a big long journey so you're sort of our practical example here today um a big long journey of debt and difficulty and starting to see the light and i know cap has had a lot to do with that can you just share part of your story with us sure um so basically um rich and i have been married for 12 and a half years now and we have been in debt in some form or another the whole time. So both of us had some kind of debt before we before we got married. So when we actually got married, it was just bringing two debts together and making one massive big one, uh, which was quite difficult at the time. Um, and this wasn't like like no, this like, wasn't this like, like a house, like a house no, or something. This no. is just that ugly sort of debt <laughs> yeah. that's hanging around. That, yeah, it was it wasn't good debt. <laughs> it was um, impulsive, stupid debt. Um, is how I describe it. It was just us wanting stuff that we couldn't afford, so we just went out and got a loan because back in back then that's what you did. Um, there was there was a lot of times like in the in the beginning it was okay because we were had just got married. We were living at home with Richard's family. We weren't paying rent, um, so we were able to get the majority of it cleared pretty quickly. But then um, we made some really impulsive stupid decisions which got us into some really major debt Mm. um and this went on even after we had children we just we just continually would go into debt it was like we just wanted something so we would go out and get it Mm. um it was just all impulsive and stupid stuff really um and it but it accumulated to the point where um yeah over time it just continued to accumulate and accumulate and then about two years ago um, it got to the point where um, our outgoing money was incredibly greater than our incoming. So mm-hmm. we weren't meeting yeah. our financial obligations. Yeah. And we were having the banks phone us 
we, they were constantly on the phone to us every couple of days. Um, I got quite depressed and I was, um, wasn't sleeping very well and I was miserable all the time and it was really quite a stressful time and it actually started to feel like it was a bit of a life sentence yeah. that we were never going to get out of this debt. It yeah. But we, we came to a place of um, we had to get some help. We even did my budget a couple of times. Yeah. Um, we, we did a lot of different things to try and get out of debt. We got loans to get out of debt. So that's where you, you know, go work, into right. debt with one bank to get out of debt with another bank right. and then realise, hmm, I'm still in debt. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, so we did that a few times and then we, um, Richard would get job, like a new job, uh, which would increase his income. The problem with that was we would actually increase our lifestyle right. instead of reducing our debt. Yeah. Um, so that wouldn't that didn't work. Um, we went to my budget twice, which which worked at the time when we were in the situation. But what the problem was, they didn't teach me how to manage right. money. So uh, when I when we walked away from my budget because we thought, oh yeah, we can do it now because you know everything's under control, um, we went straight back into the same hole right. because I had no idea what to do. And thus enter caps money. Yes, cap money came along then, yes. Okay. I and discovered so cap money. Um, one of the big things with cap money was it actually helped me to um, understand that I actually had a disrespect for money, okay. that I had an unhealthy attitude, I had no respect for it, and that, um, but it also helped me to understand the actual problems we were having, like okay. how far into debt we actually were, okay. which was pretty, pretty deep. Okay. Um, so we were able to make the, the right sort of decisions. We made some really tough decisions. Um, one of those being we moved house because the rent was too high. Yeah. Um, and so we made, we made all the cuts we had to make so that we could actually start surviving. Okay. All right. And I guess, is it just a given in all of this, Kat, that, you know, what Greg was saying before, that your relationship with God struggled in those years of treating money badly. And, yes. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And letting it rule yeah. over you. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And really listen to Cat too in, in this, the, the process of change that this all takes. You know, it's not like you had a revelation and everything was awesome. You know, no. it's like, I think, you know, talking to you, you have sometimes good months and then you'll mess it up yes. a bit and then you've got to <laughs> come back. Again. We've got to keep going. Yep. That's true. Yes. I absolutely. Our, our journey goes up and down and up and down. Like some months will be great, other months we struggle. But the key for the key for when you blow a budget is that you just reevaluate right. and start again. Okay. You know, because you know you can't beat yourself up yep. too much. Okay. Fantastic. We're going to keep hearing um, from you, Cat. Greg, contentment I figure is very linked to this whole issue of how we deal with our finances. Um, what does the Bible have to say about contentment? Yeah, well, this this is, this topic is a huge one and, and very countercultural, especially for us in Australia and, and, and Western cultures. Contentment is actually mentioned in the Bible seven times in the, uh, in the Bible, and, and six of these to do with money. And one of the key verses that's been important to to Beck and I has been um, when Paul writes in Philippians four eleven and twelve, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. We aren't born with this is 
think of contentment. Yeah. Anything about us, a lot, a lot of us is striving for the next thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the whole TV and media industry and, and marketing industry, is, it's all about what's, what's the next thing, interest-free, yeah. buy it now yeah. type thing, and it's, it's a real challenge. The starting point, though, for me has been understanding what's God's part in all this. While the Bible's got over 2,000 verses about money and possessions, there is a distinction within them. Uh, there's parts, parts of it that are very clearly our responsibility, but there's, there's a lot there that's still God's, God's part, His responsibility. So I just wanted to, to list four of those things. Um, firstly, He owns it all, 100%, not just the portion that we give back to Him. Uh, there's clear verses that He still owns all the land, all the precious metals, all, all the cattle. He hasn't relinquished ownership of yeah. any of that. It's actually his, at best, we caretakers. Yeah. Secondly, he's ultimately, he's, he's in control. He's in control of everything that goes on. Um, the good stuff, the adverse, the challenging stuff. And when you get that, um, it, it can really change your mindset. Um, I, I remember even the first car I owned was, was written off by another someone else running into me. And it could have been a situation where I let that get me down and, and go, oh, what, why did that happen? It's like, but really practically, it's like, God, look what just happened to your car. What are you going <laughs> to do about that? It's like, it really turned, you, you, you intentionally turned your thinking around. It's like, no, that's, that's God's stuff. He's, he's in control. It's his. Okay. Sure God didn't say, you should have been more careful, Greg, or anything <laughs> like that? Not, not, not in that case. <laughs> oh, okay. Thirdly, um, he promises to provide for our needs. He, he, he's not going to let us go without for our basic needs. But there is a distinction between needs and wants. It's, it's not about, you know, in our culture, sometimes we can get mixed up. We can think, oh, we, we actually need that next phone. We right. need that next car or, or something. But God promises to meet our needs. And lastly, he dispenses um, possessions to whoever and in whatever quantity he chooses. It's up to him. Sometimes he allows uh, possessions even to be taken away from us. And the, 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 the important thing is to, to realise to stop the comparisons. That's, that's a killer yeah. for, for any of us, especially yeah. um, online media stuff. A lot of it's about comparing. It's yeah. like, um, it's just a killer. Yeah. So when we re really remind ourselves and get this under control, um, every saving and spending decision becomes a spiritual one. It's, it's not just a practical, what will I do with my money? It's, Lord, what do you want me to do with your money, with, with what you've given me? Yeah. So it kind of changes your thinking and, and you, you get that in your, into your spirit and then that allows you then to focus more on, okay, well, what, what is God asking me to do and to, to start experiencing living in that contentment? Yeah, and which, again, you can see, you get that right, it's, man, that's going to make a massive difference that's in right. my walk yeah. with him. Um, I want to ask you both practically, how does that work, Kat, for you guys as you're on this journey of contentment? How does that actually affect your budget and your thinking and how much of a struggle has that been? Contentment has been a massive struggle for me, um, mainly because that's probably the reason why we're actually in debt. Right. The main reason why we're in debt is because we were never satisfied. Okay. We, ne we always wanted the next thing. Um, it would have been great to have had this talk with you today. Um, but, yeah, so we always wanted, you know, the, a better computer or, you know, a um, better car or, you know, whatever. Um, so 
we were never fully satisfied with what we had, so we would go into debt to get what we want, and then we would be discontent again. Um, which is a really hard place for me to be. Um, I have to be um, really careful when I when I go into that place of discontentment. I really need to seek God out because I can go into a really dark place in my mind, and that's when um, discontentment can actually create depression yeah. and. Um, you know, like being jealous of other people who want stuff. Because one of the things, you know, being in debt, it stops you from doing the things you want to do. Like, I really want to own my own home. Yeah. That's a, a sign of stability for me. Yeah. Um, but because of our financial position, we can't do that. Um, and so I can get quite obsessive about, you know, you know, other people have yeah. a house. Why can't I have one? Yeah. And so I can't go there in my mind because I really good yeah. and Greg says it right it's a spiritual issue this yes, so absolutely. it's coming back to God saying God I need your grace right now yeah. you know um, Greg the question of how much is enough and I know it's one that you and Beck have worked through um, for those of you who are not aware Greg's an engineer in a successful firm very wanted in the marketplace has left that and uh, we're not being really honest we're not paying Greg merely what he was being paid in that in that world Greg, how have you guys travelled that journey and how do you work out how much is enough for yourselves? Yeah, to be honest, it, it's, it's a, a challenge that consistently raises heads at different times. It's, it's not something where you can make a call and there's not any repercussions and any, anything going on. So, yeah, for, for Beck and I, it was about seven years ago, we were both in pretty senior management type roles, climbing the corporate ladder, but... Um, I think we got to the stage where God had more than more than um, plenty met our needs, and it was really blessing us. But there was a time there that we sensed to to call enough. It's like God, you, you've got other things you want us to be doing, and we were. We, that was at that time, yeah. We we, we responded and, and did something different um, according to what He wanted us to do. Um, but that doesn't mean yeah, our, our lifestyle and the choices we consistently we make now. Um, they, they continue to be impacted by yeah. that call length, so it's, it's yeah. not it's not something that doesn't have an ongoing um, commitment to follow through. Yeah, great. So it's an invitation, I think, from God to walk a journey, but it's not like once you walk through the door, everything's fixed. You're continually bringing your heart before That's God right. on this issue and working through the issue of contentment and what's enough, and I guess you get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. I've read studies even recently where people, the difference between um, ha like the happiness level, like how content someone is with their basic needs met and uh, an average income versus some millionaires or something with much higher, the, the, the difference is, is like not, not much. Yeah. It, like that's not the thing that's going to make you more happy or more content. It's yeah. you, need, you need to learn contentment in whatever circumstance you're in. That, that's yeah. the key. Yeah, okay. Fantastic. Um, Greg, a minute ago, you talked a lot about what's God's part in finances. What about what's our part? Because obviously, I wouldn't think we get to just sit back and go, right, well, it's all God's hands anyway. I'll just take the rest of my no. life off. What does the scripture say about us and what we do? Well, that's right. Yeah, God's, God's really clear. Um, verse, for example, is First Corinthians 4.2. It says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It's the part that we're responsible for. 
I just wanted to list you know, eight different characteristics, some different principles for what, what does a faithless steward do? So firstly, a, a faithless steward avoids debt. We've talked about debt and how that, that can be a real bondage and it's, it's a form of slavery. Secondly, a, a faithless steward seeks counsel. There's many verses in Proverbs about this, but there's wisdom in the multitude of counsellors. Thirdly, a faithful steward practices honesty. And that's that's practicing it every day in the small things and the big things. Mm. Number four, a uh, faithful steward gives generously. And Jesus himself said it, it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So we've really got to live that out. A faithful steward spends wisely. Uh, they work hard. Whatever you do, do your work heartily for the Lord as for men, as rather than for men. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not something you can just sit on your hands and, and wait for God's blessing to come. There, there is an action. There's, it's a, there's a responsibility that we need to do what we do and whatever God's asked you to do. So do it as a serving and, and working for God. Uh, number seven was a faithful steward saves consistently. Steady plotting brings prosperity and hasty speculation leads to poverty. That's been a key verse even for, for Beck and I. It's like, yeah, just that steady plotting. Yeah, good. And, that, and that's a key thing. Like, and, and, and again, counter-cultural, more against the, the habit now, the culture that we live in. And lastly, uh, a good steward trains your children. Not just in how to handle money, but we have a responsibility to, to train our children to know about God and follow him. And, and they're one of the, the most important things God entrusts us with, our children, and that we have a responsibility to steward um, our, our life and with them. I mean, those eight points, great points. I, I don't know if you've got a pen, you're taking notes. They're great points, uh, good things to, to hold on to. I'm not trying to stick them in e-source this week, Greg. But um, can I look at number five, spend wisely? Just um, interested one question that's been coming through a bit is, yeah, but you don't know how hard it is for us. Um, you guys aren't on a bad income by any stretch, um, but you still have found it hard. Can you give a few just practical tips on how you guys have walked that journey of spending wisely? Yeah. I guess the most important thing when you're trying to um, make your income and your expenditure balance is that you need to actually record everything that you spend. So if you take a month to just record every little penny that you spent, whether it's $100 or $1, um, just so that you can have a look at what you're actually spending your money on, because when you have a look at something like that, um, you, can't, you can't actually cut anything out of your budget unless you know where your money's going. So it's really important to be able to, to evaluate that. So at the end of the month, you evaluate where all your money's going, where, it, um, where you're all spending it, and you'll be amazed at actually how, how much wastage you have when it comes to your money. Um, for, for an example, um, if you spend, um, buy your lunch at work for $5, I mean, I'm sure it's more than $5, but, you know, just for an example, $5 a day for five days in a week, it's only $5, I mean... We, we can spend $5 in two seconds flat. But if you add that up over a month, that's $100. So that's $100 that you can cut out of your um, budget if you decide to take your lunch to work, which also means you found half of your $200 you're trying to find per month. Yeah, yeah. 
So, um, so practical things like that, like so, making sure you know exactly where your money's going. Okay. And these are all tips they're, that they're you're going to get in CAP. Yes. Why don't you do a plug for CAP? It all starts tonight. Yeah. So CAP money actually it starts tonight at seven o'clock in the Chandler room. And basically, what happens is we will go through all of the the different ways that you can um, make your balance budgets balance okay all right as well as teach you how to put one together all right fantastic now we've invited Ange up here for two reasons one incredibly good at writing on um uh, whiteboard flip charts so thank you Ange uh, but two why don't you take a step forward there Ange Ange actually runs the cap debt center side of proceedings here at the church um so differentiated from cap money cap debt center is really helping people that are really stuck Angie, I want to ask you the same question that I just asked Kat, but taking it further. We're not talking about someone that's just on a okay, good income. I also had this question come in during the week. I'm on a bad income. It's really tough, and I find this series a bit depressing. There's sort of the, the, yeah. the tense of the question. Um, can you give a, an answer to that, what you say to people that are really, really struggling yeah. in a tough situation? I think the first thing is to look at your attitude, if you're having to cut back because of low income, see the budget as an opportunity uh, to, to be more resourceful. I'm a little bit strange in that I love that challenge. I love having a limited income and then seeing how far I can stretch that thing to make it work. Right. But so just changing your attitude there, don't see it as a negative, see it as an opportunity to be resourceful. Yeah. So that's the first thing I would say, how can I stretch this thing and make it work? There's two things you can do. First, really look at, and this isn't always possible, but look at if you can increase your income. Some things like working extra hours. Uh, are you entitled to benefits? Some people don't even realise or are aware that right. they're entitled to benefits. That was one. If you've got um, working children, get them to pay board. Can you take in a boarder? That's another one. And is there anything you can sell just to get you through this period? The next thing is, uh, how can I cut my costs? In week two of the course, we focus uh, quite strongly on this and we look at how can I cut costs, how can I cut back, and how can I cut out? So we actually dig deeper into those areas. And, you know, for example, cutting costs, how can I do it cheaper? So I'm always looking for a bargain. If, if Coles have got something cheaper, I'm going there. If yeah. all, you know, look at your catalogues, check out what's cheapest. Can you cut your utilities? Can you uh, cut your mobile contracts that you've got? Sometimes they're extremely expensive. Look for better options. When your insurance comes up, have a look around. There's some websites online. Youcompare.com.au. You've seen that ad. Check out if you can do it cheaper. The other one is do it less. One of the ones we've talked a lot about is the lunch thing, but what about if you can walk somewhere instead of driving? Mm. Car expenses are phenomenal if you can reduce that mm. that's one way you can cut back swapping services lifeline i love lifeline i love i love it when i come out with a bargain and, mm. yeah, anyway, that's bargain. <laughs> and then cut it out what can you what can you do without is, are you paying for a gym membership that you don't use or do you have an expensive hobby that you just need to put aside for a bit so there's some key ways that you can actually do that yeah. okay uh, great tips and just before we let you sit down um Again, involved with people that are sometimes going under, literally. They've got debt collectors knocking the door, banks ringing, all that sort of pressure. What would you say to someone who really is in that situation today? 
First of all, if anyone's coming to your door, you need to call the police. It's actually illegal. They're not allowed to come to your door. But if they're ringing you, uh, one step you can take before that, if you know that it's starting to get difficult, speak to your creditors. Yeah, they will work with you. They will work with you more than people realise. If you avoid them and you um, you're not answering their calls and you're not addressing the issue, that's when they start to freak out and they'll go to bullying tactics and they'll start harassing you. Mm. We were sitting with a client yeah. that got calls every 15 minutes yeah. because the, the creditors are freaking out. They're thinking yeah. they're not going to get their money. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And then of course, if it's gotten to that point where you need extra help, we've got these over in the cafe. Call us and we can look at setting up a, an appointment. Yeah. Fantastic. And just to stress, I mean, and just talking there a bit about lower, you know, that lower income, um, it c you can be on a middle income and still be struggling with debt. So there's no real distinguishing factor in all of that. It can happen to all of us. So fantastic. Uh, Ange is actually booked up till February next year at present. There's so much need in the in the Ipswich area. It's one of the areas our church is giving to admission. So thanks, Ange. Why don't you thank Ange for just her contribution there? Really appreciate it. All right, just a few questions really now, quickly as we begin to wrap. Greg, um, we've talked a lot about debt. Debt is bad, debt is bad, but some debt might be good. And we think, what does the scripture say? Is there a good debt and a bad debt? Can you give us your thoughts on that? Well, it's clear through the Bible, a lot of people still were in debt right, right throughout different stories. So, but it, scripture is a bit silent on when can we owe money? When, when is it okay? In the opinion of some, some trusted authors and some of the mentors in, in this area, it is possible to owe money for a home mortgage or your or a business. Uh, this possible debt is permissible only though if the following three criteria uh, are met. And so these are good guiding principles that you, you want to just compare and see if they measure up. Firstly, does the item purchase uh, is make sure the item purchase is an asset with the potential to appreciate in value or produce an income. So a car that loses heaps of value the minute you drive it off a lot. That's, that's not an appreciating asset. Secondly, that the value of the item ex equals or exceeds the amount owed against it. And thirdly, that the, the debt should not be so high that repayment puts undue strain on the budget. And it's gonna put everything out of whack in, in, in your life and, and make it hard for you to even meet your basic needs. That's, that's not the right call. Um, lastly, um, even Beck, Beck Medu, Beck met someone even last week um, who had been saving up and um, they bought their, a piece of land outright and they were just about to, to buy their house outright for the first time in cash. So I just to put it out there too that that's still possible in this day and age and we've got a lot of respect for people who, who approach it that way as well. Yeah, that's good. That's a real change in your whole perspective. I bet they started small and, yeah. and are building up but that's the thing man, you can avoid that interest. Um, what about co-signing a loan? I know you've got real thoughts on that one. Yeah, it, it was something that, that I came across the scripture a, a couple of years ago and kind of caught my attention and thought, I wasn't aware of that one. Um, so any t so what is a co-sign or when you go guarantor it, it means any time you do that, you become legally responsible for the debt of another. It's just like you, you went to the bank, got the loan, and then gave it to your friend or your, your neighbor or your family member. Um, for their purchase. In Proverbs 17 and 18 it says, one who has no sense shakes hands in pledge and puts up security for a neighbour. 
if you've got if you've already co-signed, Proverbs six goes as far as saying, do anything you can to get out of it. Don't don't leave it in that state. So the, the perfect example is even for parents trying to help their their, their child get started to get a, a vehicle purchased or, or their first home loan. Even in that situation, I'd be saying, don't don't do that. Um, the Bible's pretty clear on that. There's other ways that you can help your child get a, a, a hand up, but um, the, the potential for relationships to be soured are, are huge, and yeah, it's just one of those areas where, where the Bible has, is pretty clear on it. Okay, good practical advice. Uh, I've got a, a few others now that are rolling around that I'll ask and let you guys in if you want. Um, I'll have a go at this one first though. Am I throwing away money by renting instead of owning? You, you often hear this one, don't, don't rent, it's wasted money. Um, I think there's some good answers. By the way, I got these from Dave Ramsey, that book you can order from the uh, Resource Center, great book on a lot of these sort of questions. But first thing to say is sometimes it's not wise to try and buy a house. Sometimes it is better to rent and uh, what are the reasons for that? Of course, the big one is, can you afford it? I mean, you've got to continually ask that question, can I afford to buy this house? Here's some general rules of thumb about whether you can afford to buy a house. You shouldn't be spending more than 25% of your take-home pay on the repayments. So that's just a great tool. I think these are listed in the handouts, which are on the seats. Um, you should be able to aim for paying off that house within 15 years. It's one thing Jess and I are working on at the moment. We most... Aussies, I think, sort of sign up for longer loans, 25-year, 30-year loans. Um, really good thing to do is to aim, how do I make this loan a 15-year loan? And you can do that just by paying extra repayments into your loan. Most loans will allow you to do that. So how do I do that? Um, put more money into a 15-year loan. The other thing is you should be doing 20% deposits. Then you're not paying for loan insurance. And when those three things line up, you're probably in a good position. Uh, it's, it's not saying it's impossible to do it the other way, but this is a, a, tr a tried and trusted way of being sure that you've done it uh, done it right. A few other little quick points there. Make sure that you've got an emergency fund set up. Otherwise, you can sink just in your re repayments. $1,000 at least should go into that. A lot of people recommend having three months of your salary set aside in that fund as well in case something goes wrong. And uh, final thing on this would be don't, buy a home if you know you're going to have to sell it within three or four years. They say anyone who buys and sells within three or four years generally loses the money just on the cost of the sale. So a house won't appreciate enough in that time. Just good thoughts there. Um, Greg, practical suggestions for teaching children how to be faithful stewards? Well, here are a couple of steps. Learn, learn routine responsibilities. These are the, the, the types of chores that everyone as a, as a member of the family needs to do. Help them understand that that's just part of being a, res uh, a responsible part of the family. Secondly, expose your children to your work. They can come to your workplace, that's a great way of doing it. They can ga gain an understanding of the effort you put in to get, get your pay each week. Just, that just brings a reality check to actually that's where mum or dad goes and to make sure we've got food and, and a house and everything. Thirdly, Encourage your child to do extra work to earn money. So there's, there's often lots of, so this is over and above potentially pocket money you might want to choose. There's extra chores so that so you're linking work and effort with, with the reward. And fourthly, 
when they when they're at an appropriate age, like encourage your child to get a job working for others. So I know I started when I was ten mowing my neighbour's yard, so stuff like that. You can there's often opportunities where you can start to earn, uh, learn that work ethic and, and understand how to receive and um, look after that. That's good. You do something pretty cool with your girls. Yeah, I um, I try and take my girls shopping with me, and um, what I do with them is one pushes the trolley, so the little one pushes the trolley, and then the uh, the older one actually has the calculator, and it's her job to make sure that I don't go over my budgeted grocery money. Okay. Yes. And if you do, does she pay for it or what happens? <laughs> no, no, no. It's her job to tell me when we're getting close. Okay. If we if we go under. Like by about two dollars, I will actually let them go to the chocolate aisle. Oh really? Yes. Oh fantastic! So they, it's always on two dollars. Oh, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that always happens. <laughs> They're shoving the milk back in the in the fridge <laughs> to make sure, but you're always two dollars under. Yeah. Um, again, question to to all. I thought this was a great question. Again, came in this week from uh, one of our catalyst attenders. It says this: We're not living in a culture and a society. Um, where it's normal to not have debt. So what they're saying is it's normal to have debt and yet the last four weeks we've been saying don't have debt and what the question is is aren't we cutting across the grain too much? Shouldn't we be allowed to have debt because this is simply the world we live in? And there was a second part to that question which said what if I need something right now and it's important, it's not just... uh, you know, I, I want, but I'm, but I'm sort of stuck in this world of debt. I need it right now. How, what are you going to do? I can't. If I try and save up for it, it might take two or three years. But then my need has passed, and that person is actually stuck in a situation of needing uh, something in that exact moment in their life. Uh, so the two questions I think go together. I think it's a great question. Um, maybe answering the first part, I think Jesus calls us to live counterculturally. That is just simply the way he calls us to live. When you look at some of the scriptures forever, Jesus is saying, the world says, love your friends. Jesus says, love your enemies. The world says, you know, walk one mile. Jesus says, walk two miles with the person that's putting a load on you. He's always going against the grain. Um, The world says, stick with your marriage. If it works, he says, stick with your marriage. That's what Jesus says. And yesterday we were reading our devotions and he sees the widow come to the temple treasury and give all that she had left in this world, two pennies, into the treasury. He doesn't run up and say, don't do that. That's not a good use of your money. It's incredibly countercultural. Instead, he says to his disciples, look at how that lady understands how to use wealth and, and what she's doing. And to be truthful, that doesn't make logical sense. But this is how Jesus operates. And the way he operates like that is because he goes back to a changed heart, a heart that says, I won't operate in the culture of this world. So I, th- I think it's okay that we live counterculturally. I've got no problem with that, but we need his grace to be able to do that. Now, in saying that, I wouldn't condemn anybody who's stuck. The trouble is, like Kat's been talking about, you might have a revelation of things, mistakes you've made, but you're still living in the consequences of debt right now. And right now, you might have a pressing need. I think it's important to have a perspective of the long-term um, process this is going to take to change. Greg, I think you talked about... Even with some of the Angelus clients, when, when we start to work with um, these people in the community, it's a three- to four-year process right. that they're, they're working through. It's so the long-term yeah. 
commitment to, to work on this. Yeah. So it takes a long time to turn your thinking to develop these disciplines into your life. And you just got to understand, hey, I'm in this for the long haul. I think my final point would be you're in a situation right now, You say you need a bigger car or need a bigger house, whatever it might be, it has to happen. I'd still be saying, can I afford it? You've got to ask that question. And if you can't, it's, you've got to find another way. If you can afford that loan, I'd be getting the loan that's as short as possible. I'd ask, where am I going to cut back so I can afford to pay this off in my time frame? Can I get a, a second-hand car? Uh, can I um, trade in a car? Like, what will I do? It's a bit like Angela says, let it be a challenge to make sure that you're working on these things the best way you can to come out of this ahead. Remembering your goal is to get rid of this debt. Remembering that I've got to have a long-term view on all of that. I don't know if you guys would have anything to add to that question other than that. I think the main thing for me is if you're going to take a loan out for something you desperately need now, you need to realise that you're still going to be paying for it right. when the need goes. That's so right. you need to be prepared That's to good. do that. And not paying it for it once, probably paying yeah. for it one and a half or two yeah, times. Absolutely. You know, and it's changing that mentality. Yeah. We actually don't have time to answer all these questions as good questions. We'll probably stick them in e-source, tithing um, and debt. It's a good question. Life insurances. I mean, I would just say I think insurances are a, a good thing and I think we should have those basic insurances. Um, I also put on the handout there great apps that you can get. If you have a smartphone, most people have them, um, you, you can get a lot of free apps. Like I think there's a My Budget tool on there. Uh, Lots of different apps, some cost 99 cents, but use the power of that phone to be able to help you um, manage to do the things that God's asking you to do. All right, I'm going to just uh, wrap it up here. What I really want to say to end is we aren't here um, trying to make Catalyst Church rich. That isn't what the last four weeks have been about. We're here talking about ways that money can serve us as we serve God. And at the end of the day, if we are a Christian, we, we become strong so that we can help those that are weak. That is core, fundamental to our faith system. And so I'd really challenge you, as you're on this journey, you've got to look for ways that you can give, that you can give of the prosperity that God has given you. For Jess and I, we've, we now factor into our budget just sort of emergency giving is one of our line items. And we look, we are talking about this yesterday, we haven't done it yet this year, but who can we look for opportunities to give to? And we do that. Now, it's before we've paid off our house, but we're choosing to do it in that order. Money should serve you. We, we, we get strong so that we can give. You know, at the moment, there's persecution happening of Christians all around the world. In our church, we support missions in India, in the north of India. Incredible persecution happening in that part of the world. Well, we give financially to that as a church and that only happens because individuals give we give to cap money our role in this life is not to have five-star holidays and and just you know just have all the luxuries in life although there's times when god will give you that and it's a good thing but our our ultimate role is to be givers and all of that comes from what was shared from this platform earlier when we talked about communion we talked about a debt that was paid that we couldn't pay and the thankfulness that wells up in our heart and if it doesn't well up any thankfulness in your heart you need to get back before god 
Say, God, what have you done for me? That's right. You paid a sin debt. Do we really get that forever? Forever separated from God. Forever a Christless eternity. Forever. Forever in that word called hell. That's where we were headed. We're free of that. And not only that, but he gives us his grace to live a life now. He gives us the richness of his word to tell us how to live our life. And man, it changes us. It makes us grateful. And we become givers. And I just want to make sure I say, as much as we've talked about great financial matters these last few weeks, if you haven't sorted that one, that question of where do I go for eternity? Have Has that debt been paid for me that I cannot pay? Have I trusted Jesus Christ with my life? If you haven't answered that debt, um, that's the, that question that's the most important question for you to answer. And I think, don't wait on that one. That's my point. Because that one can be sorted out quickly. That one is about trusting Christ for what he's done on the cross. And we'd love to talk to you uh, afterwards. It would be our greatest joy to begin uh, the process of understanding what Christ has done in your life. So that's it in a real nutshell. I guess there's a little bit more and Esau's will answer some of the other questions that are rolling around. But uh, I hope that it's been a real blessing and I know that it has certainly even for, for us and for everybody else. Let's pray. God, we're thankful, God, for your word and the way that you speak truth and life to us. And God, more than anything, we just take a moment again, pause and remember your son, Jesus Christ, what he did for us and the freedom it buys us and the freedom it buys us to give and be generous and be your hands and feet on this earth. God, we just remember the point of it all. We pray that we receive your grace to be able to walk the walk that you're looking to us to walk. We pray for self-control and real strength in our finances. Everybody, God, that calls you Lord in Jesus' name.